Hello, hello, and welcome back to season seven, episode eight, our final episode of the season and year. It's the Black Women Working Podcast. Chantel here. Hey, ladies. I can't believe it's our final episode. I'm sad. I'm actually sad. No, I'm not going to lie. I'm sad. I can't lie. I was trying to think of a relevant song, but it wasn't coming to me. I think that's because the Holy Spirit is working on you and this this bondage you have really. with sis really. singing these random songs. The it Lord, my through. prayers are working. It came my through, but working. I didn't go want on. to go with that. So okay, what song was it? Let me just direct you and our listeners to our playlist because actually on Spotify we have a oh, Black yeah. Women Working playlist. Uh, that kind of get up and go motivation all genres in the mix so you know when the spirit takes you just go to Spotify and add the song and listeners feel free to message us with your morning commute your get ready for work song and we'll add it to our playlist anyway that's not what I'm here for for today um so as always, a little bit of housekeeping for our new listeners and those of you who have forgotten. You can follow us via social media, mainly Instagram and Twitter using the handle at BWWpodcastUK. If you would like to get in touch with us directly, be it to do um, with feedback, a suggestion, perhaps you've got an issue at work that you want um to soundboard against and get some tips you can email us on blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com and of course there is our website the three w's blackwomenworking.com where you will find what we're up to previous blogs and all of our previous episodes are also there so today excuse me you didn't put respect on our linkedin page by the way can i just say LinkedIn page, please. Thank you. And thank you to everyone actually who is following Black Women Working on LinkedIn. I'm seeing that people are searching us, our growth is there. And come the new year, um, you'll see some more activity. But that's as much as I'm going to share as what's to look forward to in 2023 right now. Um, I want to get on to today's episode, which is to discuss the relationship between work and identity and I'm just going to reel off um, a little bit of research that I've come across in preparation for today's episode. Um, So it says, the research says, work provides us with more than a paycheck and I think for many of us who have studied long and hard in our professions, made these choices almost from the age of 15 when you choose your GCSEs, I think we can say, yeah, it is more than a paycheck, especially as the pay ain't even going too far. But it gives it gives us recognition, status, belonging, self-esteem and reinforcement of our self-concept, which is all very well, but it's also quite problematic because then it becomes intrinsically tied with your well-being. Now, the idea of our work being associated with our identity is not one that is new. If we think about some of our surnames, myself alone, um, historically, a lot of surnames have been related to trades that families have done. So, for example, Smith is related to the idea of blacksmith, silversmith, locksmith, and so on. So your, your, your identity being intrinsically tied to the work you do is not a new phenomenon. However... When we think about like professionals, and I'm I'm going to frame why I'm talking about professionals, 
I think amongst, and the research also says, amongst like the educated elite, there are people who have a certain type of job because it pertains to a certain class and it helps them to identify themselves and for others to and for others to identify who they are I think that's problematic personally but I'll get into that in a minute psychologists refer to this as an enmeshment not an entanglement an enmeshment and this look at Natalie what does enmeshment mean <laughs> go on that because when I saw that, I was like, is that a typo? I thought maybe he's rushing with the spelling, but I thought I'm not going to shout you out because we're all going through it. But it's a real thing. I don't know. It's a real I thing. I it's a real... Is, is an enmeshment something I want or is an enmeshment no. bondage? Okay, good. Just it's, bond, it's bondage. So an enmeshment is where the boundaries between work and our personal lives become blurred. And when you become enmeshed with your job um, and it begins to define you, it starts to determine your value and your self-worth. And in the current climate where we're looking at, you know, redundancies and changes of careers, be that a choice of your own or you're forced into it, it can have disastrous effects because you're left thinking, who am I? Where do I stand? What is this? So firstly, I think it's. I'd like to delve into you guys and your careers. Like, do you think, that your personality, the person that you are, has led to your profession um, versus like how much of you have you brought to your work? As in, actually, I'm not really like the lawyers around me. I'm not really like the teachers around me. So chicken or egg, which way is it going? Tolls? Can I just come in here? Mm-hmm. As the English graduate that I am, it's not enmeshment, it's enmeshment. I just wanted to say well, that. <laughs> All of the all of the um the research that I did you it spelled is spelled it enmeshment. It's E-N-M. I did not spell it. Exactly, enmeshment. You spelled it. I said E-N-E. I said enmeshment. I said, can you stop it, please, Tolls? Because I'll block you. <laughs> That's the truth. I actually I actually remove you from this. No, this she spelled it N-E-E. N-E-E. Yeah, but you're A-N-E. sounding like one of those trolls <laughs> on Twitter, and it's not conducive okay. to what we're trying to talk okay. about. Thank okay. you. Well, this is how I bring my qualifications to... Very <laughs> annoying, reconsider. <laughs> Very annoying, not positive. Anyway, to keep on chat with the question, um, how do I think? Um, I don't think, because as I've said many times before, I haven't really had a clear-cut career path. I haven't followed a particular career trajectory. It's hard for me to kind of benchmark myself against the majority of people and kind of who've had a clear-cut um, career path like yourself. You've gone into teaching like Natalie. Um, you've gone into a legal career. Like there's stereotypes that are associated with those already. But because I've kind of bounced around a little, I think really and truly, I can't really judge that for myself. But I do feel like... Um, I've brought myself, my personality and character to the majority of the roles that I have, I've had. I think circa maybe 2014 is where I really started to come out because there were certain roles that I had before. I remember there was one role, I was working on a pediatric special needs nursing team. I was one of the administrators. I was there for like over two years mm-hmm. and it was literally maybe about the week or two weeks before I left I actually opened my mouth and started talking and then everyone was like oh my gosh you're actually funny like why have you never said anything before but I'm also quite an introvert and at that point the introvertedness was really introverted so I didn't really 
kind of project my personality unless someone drew it out of me um so yeah to answer to summarize basically I feel like I've brought my personality and myself into the majority of roles and that's why I've really enjoyed some of them even though the tasks that I may have been doing was just horrible and I didn't like it I've really enjoyed the people that I've worked with that's I feel like my pathway to law was people saying you should be a lawyer, you're argumentative. Yeah, it's in your character, bruv. Boy, fam, blood, cuz. And that's from childhood. Yeah. Alternatively, like, you know, if I believe something is principled and it should be done, like, the fairness and what's equitable is to take a certain route and people don't want to do that. From a young child, I've been very, very, like, vocal about that's so people like you should be a lawyer but I think also because I did like analytical subjects like history um and a lot I would say the majority of lawyers always appear to have studied history or politics in some way shape form or another if they haven't studied law um but I do feel like being pigeonholed while it's worked out for me obviously because I have a good career but being pigeonholed at a young age really stopped me from considering other careers like I went to London School of Economics there's so many different types of careers that people who graduated with me are doing that studied law there's consulting there's forensic accounting there's so many different things where analytical skills can be used it doesn't just have to be in law Um, and so sometimes I wonder that sometimes when people have strong character traits that we associate stereotypically with certain um, careers whether we should kind of encourage them. We should just be like, why don't you just, you know, if, why don't you just think about what's investigating and understanding like what you like and who you are rather than being, you love to argue, you should be a lawyer. You know, I could have really been like the next, you know, I could have been the next Trisha instead talking to people, telling them how they should be living their lives would have made a lot more money. So you just never know. Not sure you'd have been good at that, but yeah. <laughs> I would because I would have been like no nonsense, Judge Judy type. Yeah, you know. Stop your Cross between Springer, Judy, yeah. Maury. Yeah, she would have she would have run the Oprah thing. telling people this is how you need to live your life. This is what you need to do. Look at me, I'm amazing, I'm buff. If you want to be like me, this is what you need but to you do. Also I think need I would to love be that. empathetic, very empathetic with the foolishness of people. Listen, if you catch me on the fly one-to-one, I can, not always, I can be <laughs> if I feel you need it. But sometimes with people being dumb, someone needs to be like, uh now, Sally Jesse Raphael, she uh, you need to watch some of them episodes, yeah? She was telling, she wasn't like Maury, you know, hugging someone who's tested 10 men trying to find the paternity of their baby. She should be telling that person what the hell. And so Judge you never Judy. know. And the black one as well, but I can't I mean, it's, 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 Divorce it's, court. it's, 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 it's mad. It sits in law. I think, I think a really, for want of a better term of phrase, for a really wild moment I had was um, a little while ago in therapy when, um, like, my therapist was sort of doing the whole getting to know you and he was like so obviously a lot of your character forming years and maybe even trauma started from your relationships at school and then you decided to be a teacher and spend all your time at school and I was like rah I've got a trauma bond, a trauma bond to my profession not like you see you hear about trauma bonds to people (laughs) but it's like oh my god have I attached myself to this place and there was there was an element of like 
I want I knew I wanted to serve young people because there were things that I wanted young people to have that perhaps I didn't or a different experience and you often hear this you know the kids that I work with you often hear foster children saying I want to be a foster carer or or people who carers who young people have grown up with their and being young carers I want to be a nurse and it's like hmm is this actually by trait or by um experience and the, Mm. the the problem for me I think is in sort of shifting and transferring my skills outside of school and I've said this before if I actually got a pound for every teacher that said to me I don't know how you did it you're so brave I don't know what I would do I think that is so alarming that actually you can feel like your career defines you that actually if it didn't exist you wouldn't know what to do that's dangerous to me Bro, so many people feel like Mm -hmm. that. That's why, like, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to super uber corporate spaces, and I'd say men in particular are the biggest victims of this, in in a sense, because they attach so much to what they're doing, what they're earning. And when you speak to them, it's like, but what is your personality outside of that? Oh, get money, get money. Okay, bro. Like, (laughs) what else? What What else? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's just. And I don't even want to go into that because the way men cannot multitask, and then they think when they're building their empire, you're going to meet your queen at the top when you've neglected her for the whole journey. First of all, we don't talk about men. That was number one rule. Second of all, Charles, thank you for the insight into your hinge dating life because it's only through through dates that we're having these conversations. That you're having these conversations. Me, I'm there in the trenches too. When I hear, when you just see in the comments like make money or you ask what their job is, like I'm a business man delete next, no I no. don't know what profiles you're matching with that's not my story hon don't project that onto me babes <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna move us along we digress that's not the point you that's, were, what she's basically, talking, that's what she's talking about so it must be her lived experience the, but okay the fact that people become so entrenched in work that it's like what are you outside of that what do you what do you say about yourself what relationships do you nurture how do you nurture yourself outside of that and I think before we even explore the outside part even within work um I'm interested to know and I know Tolls you said you haven't really had this experience but in your line of work is there a danger of being pigeonholed because of who you are seen to be in your profession and I'll give you an example in um, black teachers in particular are fighting this fight against being driven down the pastoral behavior route as opposed to the strategic curriculum route when it comes to leadership and often stunted because they're seen as the people who are relatable to the community the people who are tough nuts enough to be able to manage it and so in some ways yes part of my lived experience and who I am means that I am naturally good at these things because the work that I've done means I am I'm in it and I I know it's really specific because I'm talking about like really client facing service user work when I talk about teaching but the other side of it is then you're perceived to to be doing this role and I think you know to just broaden it out we can talk about how to run my eyes the fact that you're black so you will do the black history month or the fact that you're a woman so you will be the more caring one or you're dedicated to certain projects so is there a danger of like who we're seen to be in our careers pigeonholing us 
I definitely can I, sorry go on yeah go on no go on I, I want to double I want to actually circle back to that because I feel like the points that you've raised about teaching is really interesting to see that that's the that's the way you're viewed by your colleagues but I would challenge you to say they're just giving you the tasks that they don't want to do because you're black because there's one thing that I always think about in my career as a young black woman and and looking at junior associates who are black and seeing what work they're getting and stuff like that is always thinking about are you just getting the work that nobody else can be bothered to do because then they're not invested in you because you're black and part of me feels like and you can correct me if I'm wrong because it's not my industry but dealing with difficult parents with antisocial behavior is on one level is like level two and the strategy and the curriculum is seen as the kind of platinum level one and so sometimes it could be it's maybe a more flattering way to see it as that's my lived experience you know I look like the parents I've grown up in an area similar to the children so I'm just more suitable to do that or it could be we're going to make you busy doing the shit work that we don't want to do excuse my French or dealing with the parents that we don't want to speak to while we do the work that's going to lead to us being promoted and being paid more it's just a thought yeah, no, and I think I think you raise an interesting point in terms of how we perceive and value ourselves in the workplace in that I know this this can sit um, with the fact that you might be more junior and new in the place. It might sit with race. It might sit with the fact that you're a woman. It might just sit with the fact that, quite frankly, you have a lack of self-worth and that, yes, there are tasks that are put on you that it's like, sorry when I'm doing parent engagement I don't get to choose to only talk to black parents I have to talk to all parents so basically it is a, a tough in inverted commas job or a challenging job that you're not ready to that you're, you're not willing to take on same with black history month as a, as a different example when you're like well the black colleague would do it's because you can't be bothered or care enough to immerse yourself in that work the thing about it is which is why we're talking about it and why we raise it is I think we have to be strong enough in ourselves to know, actually, is this something that I really, really feel passionate about, that I'm really skilled at, that I really want to do, and so therefore I'm going to do it? Or am I being, is my career being destined for me? And that's what I hear quite often. Me, myself in school, I didn't take the pastoral. I was curriculum all the time. Um, But if I didn't have a clear direction over what I felt I wanted and where I felt my skills laid very easily, I could have been, she'll be a good head of year, she'll mop up, she'll do all the all the dirty work, to be fair, to be frank. I think it comes back to that point that you everlastingly make, but which is pertinent for the majority of the topics that we discuss. And it's fundamentally knowing yourself as an individual what you want and knowing where you want to go when you know those things yes there is a danger of being pigeonholed but ultimately that won't impact you because you're focused on your goal and where you need to get to and therefore that will make it easier to challenge when you see these things happening but if you're unaware of yourself in that respect or unaware that there is this danger then you're kind of just going to go with the flow and then potentially 10 or 15 years down the line you're like well hang on a second this isn't even the direction that I wanted to go in and the thing is for the majority of us I would say definitely coming from a black or ethnic minority background the first kind of people to ever pigeonhole us and um, put us in this tiny little box is probably our parents 
like they have their dreams they have their visions their ambition of what they want us to be and they indoctrinate us from young I'm a Nigerian person I come from the background of doctor lawyer engineer I was definitely they tried to force me down it guys I've already spoken about the situation before probably in season one ah I got to uni and I was like no I'm done with this now because actually uh, my mental health was just not great and I was like I'm proper depressed here I've got to start living for myself what do I want to do and once I took that decision as hard as it was there was a uh, freedom that came from that and what it did is it allowed me to feel empowered into any work situation that I went in that I was making decisions and other people weren't making the decisions for me and I guess you could call that my little trauma bond because I come from a background where there was manipulation or um coerciveness in that respect so I'm like no nah, nobody is going to tell me what to do anymore I'm doing this for me and if not then I'm bouncing so that's kind of where it kind of can come in an earlier stage and then spill into career trajectory yeah thanks Tos. Nat did you want to chip in before I move it along I I don't know I feel like a lot of the decisions you make about the career that we eventually take are influenced by people so I feel like obviously for me my parents were supportive who's not going to support their child wanting to do like a very kind of corporate highly academic job like it's an easy win they can focus on my brother but then I feel like one of the things that's kept me in the legal industry is you're laughing but sure they can focus on him one less child to worry about but the thing that's kept me in the legal industry hasn't been positive. It's more so been where people have been trying to chat crap to me about being a lawyer isn't me. And instead of me being like, yeah, you're right, being a lawyer isn't isn't a bit of me. I've been like, you Babylonian soldier, watch, I'm going to have the sickest legal career. And I'm going to be posting like a crack, crack addict on LinkedIn. Every day you'll just be seeing deals, 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 work, 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 and you'll be suffering. And sometimes I feel like, had that person not said to me in 2018, um, law is not for me I was probably thinking about giving up anyway because I wasn't enjoying it and then when he comes to tell me that nonsense I just called the recruit I said hey yeah and, and it made me be much more intentional like this is what success as a lawyer looks like <laughs> and now I've done those things I'm like oh maybe I should have just bowed out in 2018 straight but like, I can bow out now <laughs> being like yeah I proved you wrong your, your career trajectory has been based on vengeance vengeance no, it is has been. Since, say, since 2000 and, since 2010 yeah when I started paralegal and the woman said I didn't deserve my training contract listen Please. if I speak they'll say Aye. yeah Aye. since then it's been a battle to be like listen you mofos mm. don't tell me nothing so sometimes mm. now now things are going well for me I'm confused I don't know what to do should I even stay because I need someone to upset me for me to be ignited to want to stay because I'm like yeah I've done yeah I've done it now I could do I could do something else I proved you people sound like me but that's like the me. wonderful thing about identity it doesn't have to stay static you can continue to evolve like a lot of people don't understand that and they live their life as in this is my one angle that I'm going to continue with all my life. And then when something happens that throws them off, maybe it's a redundancy, maybe it's someone kind of um, knocking on their professional self-esteem. It completely rattles them to the core and it can destabilize mm. them even mentally, professionally, whichever way you want to think about it. So I think it comes down to mentality as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think like just to pick up on your point before I move on Tolls, I think in knowing and being better, I often think about this as a parent and as a as a leader in that making sure I give the people that I'm responsible for, whether it's my child or my team, um, space to explore what is it that you want whilst I have a vision and some intentions for what you're supposed to be doing I think it's really important that we actually as leaders at home and at work nurture other people's dreams and we have to be mindful of that because we are responsible now for pigeonholing people and saying oh you should do this or I don't think this is for you we don't want to be those people um but I think like one of my my final sort of question then and I'm loving the energy in today's conversation is that what does it mean to to be yourself and to bring your own brand because this is what this is what we're hearing a lot like I'm going to create my own brand that doesn't mean creating your own business because let's also remember in terms of diversity and again yes we spoke about this very early season one the fact that being a minority is a value to places because you're bringing something that they don't have but what does it if you had to encapsulate it in a sentence or few what does it mean to be your own brand at the workplace to bring your identity and not let work be your identity um I feel like it kind of it kind of it's a mixture of feeling confident in yourself but also knowing your surrounding and being experienced in your surroundings so I know that we kind of had this conversation about being too much for workplace previously and I was like you can never be too much and Tolls was like yeah you can be a bit extra if you don't understand the work environment I still think that was a Babylonian I love the way you just had to just feed that in there because I know you didn't like it when I said (laughs) that I didn't like it but I I understood it Mm. I understood it but I didn't like it because I feel like it's just it's just nuanced but I feel like Mm. you get to a point when you know you can be yourself when you're confident in not only yourself as an individual, but also in your work product. I feel like it's a lot, it's 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 a bit chicken and egg because I feel like the more confident you are in general in life, even if you're not necessarily good at work, you will get better because you'll be confident to fail, to make mistakes, to ask, quest- ask questions, and you'll, you'll spend a lot more energy on getting the work right rather than trying to be the right fit. But I feel like I can be more authentically myself now in the workplace nearly 10 years deep because I'm confident in my work product and I'm tired and I'm like if I'm 34 and I can't be myself at a workplace I've probably got another especially with you know these Tories the way they're just trashing the country I've probably got another 100 years until I see my pension so how much longer can I do this for I so but what does that mean does that mean (laughs) does that mean coming in in your print outfit does that mean saying what you have to say exactly say like what does that mean I think it means it means saying what you have to say and doing what you feel is necessary. So like one thing about me is that if something doesn't make sense, I will not do it. And I'll say it doesn't make sense. I don't care. And I've never been confident to do that until I was like, well, I've earned my stripes here. You people trying to tell me to do something that's making my life more difficult. I'm not going to do it. Whereas someone might suffer in silence or someone might not advocate or someone might be upset and go and cry in the toilet. I'm not crying in the toilet. I'll cry. I'll, I'll let you know I'm upset. I feel like that makes me feel better about work because then I can express myself and I don't take these feelings home and I don't internalize them and I don't think something's wrong with me. It allows me to recognize that when things are right and when things aren't right, but also just in negotiations with other lawyers, considering I don't sue people, 
my environment's very contentious. I need to be able to, when someone's being rude to me in email, I need to be able to, I'm not doing Michelle Obama, let's go low, high. You go low, I'm going to go lower. But it takes confidence to get to that point to be like, no, that person is being a real, you know, blob. I'm going to come for you. Don't ever disrespect me. There's a hundred people copied on this email. You're not going to take me for a blob today. I would never have done that 10 years ago because I would, I would be believing what that person had said about me. I believe in that my work isn't good enough. My default position would be that person was rude to me because I deserved it because I wasn't doing a good job. And now I've got confidence in myself. I can take, I can take a step back and be like, no, actually that person's right, but they're rude or alternatively, no, that person's, that person's wrong. I feel like my approach is different, but that's just what gives gives me peace. Because if I don't say how I feel, I'll take it home and then I'll be tossing and turning and having nightmares with myself mm-hmm. and my blood pressure will be going through the roof, you know, and it's it's not worth it. But that's how I I do me at work. I wish I wish there was a formula and we'll we'll get to thinking about, never about be. this confidence. Yeah. No, about this confidence thing, because part of the confidence is actually, unfortunately, having gone through the trenches, being right. in those dark spaces, getting it wrong. I, I hate the fact that you have to suffer for your stripes. I, but I it seems like part and part of the process of building your confidence. But I don't say that's the rule. It's, it's, not, it's not always it's like suffering. It's not always suffering. Yeah, mm. go on, Tolls. Go on, Tolls. Because I love what you said, Natalie, because it ties into so many like of our past episodes, especially like that being too much thing. Like the term you coined here, earning your stripe, I think that is really what I was trying yeah. to say when yeah. I was saying like sometimes Gen Zs come into the workplace and they, they don't speak earn as if stripes. they've earned yeah. their stripes, but they need to earn their stripes first. And sometimes earning your stripes isn't necessarily going through suffering but earning your stripes can be a case of assimilate not assimilating absorbing and observing Mm -hmm. your environment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. understanding Mm -hmm. how people interact and Mm -hmm. then you get to a place where okay I know how to navigate these particular situations absolutely yeah topic even links back to our episode on being authentically you which I encourage everybody who's listening to this to go back to listen to because in there we went into very kind of um, a lot of detail in terms of what that actually means and how you bring that into the workplace so I mean for me where I'm at I think Another thing you said, which is correct, Natalie, is like experience. It's really about experience because when I was younger, I was not going into a situation with confidence because I didn't mm-hmm. know anything. I'm still exactly. learning. So how can I really just have Vim like this? And so when we're talking about what does it mean to be your own brand, I think we need to understand that that is a constantly um, evolving state. The the brand in inverted commas that you are when, say, you enter the workplace at 21, 22 is likely not going to be the same brand that you are at 35, 36. If it is, boy, you need to self-reflect or something because you should have changed. Yeah, yeah, you you really should have. But you know what I I think as well is I, I think that when you begin to accept that your work identity in terms of your profession it doesn't define you and that you're Mm going to be fine whether or not you're doing that job working at that place earning that money you're still inherently who you are then I think it allows you to then be like no I can set boundaries here because this is not the be on the end of my of my entire existence and I just feel like if there's one thing that I always try and stress to people as well is it that especially as black women in the workplace, we want to be so good and we want to be so diligent. I mean, we don't want to speak until we know everything 110%, but failure is the way, I'm beginning to accept that sometimes failure and making mistakes is the way that we learn. It's fundamental to success. Well, exactly. well I th- 
let me let you finish your point, but I'm going to pick that up in the tips. That so in the, in the sense of like, when I have juniors now and they make mistakes, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, I expected you to make a mistake. You've only been doing this job for 18 months. I've been doing this job for 10 years. How can I expect you mm-hmm. to do what I would do? Like the fact that you expect me to think, the think, the fact that you expect me to think that you're going to perform at the level I perform right. is nonsense because you haven't been doing it for 10 years. You've been doing it for 18 months and you can't, you can't be perfect. You're going to have to make mistakes. You're going to have to get things wrong. And I just feel like if in working environments, we could we could have more of those conversations. Like, yeah, everybody makes mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, it's part of your learning process. Then we would feel a lot more confident about letting go, actually trying things, having more conversations and having more freedom of thought. But because people are so frightened of making mistakes mm-hmm. um, and then because their job and their profession is so integral to them, especially at a young stage when you're just young age, when you're just figuring out who you are, everyone's asking you what you've done after university and you're saying you're doing this and everyone's wide-eyed and everyone's so excited for you. I'm just about my personal experience working as a solicitor. Oh my gosh, I remember how um, someone from my church saw me go into a vacation scheme on the train and went to run back to church to tell everyone I'm a corporate lawyer, I'm on a hundred thousand pounds. And um, <laughs> like, as if to say, I'm not tithing enough. Like, but it that kind of stuff creates pressure on us. <laughs> no, it did happen. It did happen. And then my auntie called my dad and was like, what do you mean? You didn't even tell me. My dad was like, she's done a week internship. Oh my gosh. 250 pounds, calm down. But can you imagine psychologically yeah. the pressure that put on me as a young 21 year old hadn't even graduated university and people already putting these things on my name? Like, I think, my- I, Shan, let I think me say same- one, two thing before Go you on. come in. Go I know you, we, we ain't got time, we're running out. So I think... <laughs> Natalie highlighted a key point there, which is like how fundamental leadership and who you have guiding you in the workplace can be in terms of you uh, creating that brand for yourself or your sense of self. When you have somebody who responds to situations the way Natalie did, you feel empowered and you build your confidence more quickly. And you're like, okay, it's okay to make mistakes because I'm going to get there in the end. And it's all part of the process. But if you grow up in an environment or a work environment where there's criticism there's a lot of putting down then you're just gonna before you can even get to a place of confidence you're going backwards first until you get into a space where you are actually um, encouraged you are coached you are mentored or things like that so that can be a really key factor in developing your own brand at work as well right (laughs) good yeah no but I was gonna say I was just adding that that's that's not even just true for juniors it also like speaking for myself changing a setting whether it's within your comfort zone or not you've performed so well in this interview people are expecting things of you and you feel like you've got to deliver so it's not just for um our bays in the game our babes in the game it's also us who are who are transitioning through the ranks but um yeah I think just to sort of touch on the opposite of that like failure there were five things that I picked up in terms of how to separate your identity from your job and the first one was to redefine so I'm going to share them all you can say what you think about them add any but the first one was to redefine your idea of success and achievement and yes part of you feeling successful and your self-worth will derive from your professional achievements and we've said this in other episodes but you have to really take a look at a whole 360 at your life in terms of relationships in terms of the tangible and the intangible things that define 
success for you define your self-worth and for me sometimes self-worth is literally the ability right now in my life it's the ability to preserve my peace that makes me feel successful yo that you can't come and stress me you cannot come and stress me that's success can I just say I really I really respect that I really 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 respect that because success is so focused on material things and then success Mm -hmm. is always someone synonymous with financial freedom people don't even know Mm -hmm. what financial freedom means there's good to hear that you actually have success which is beyond like paper 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 because you have to because this life is chaotic yeah and even when you've got money if you're like me you've got three kids in your house the money don't the money don't stretch other people they're ticking your money yeah (laughs) my broke friends that I birthed anyway tip number two was to leave work talk at work I think that one's a bit sketchy because you know if you like your job and it takes up so much of time of course you are going to talk about it but I think you need to monitor how you're talking about work and not get into the habit of you know someone asks how your day is and you're like oh always ready for the for the negative actually think about how are you talking about work grow your social circle outside of work personally as a Londoner I don't, working in London, living in London, I don't have an issue with that. But I know for people who have moved, you know, sometimes work, your friends at work are your friends, family. Um, be intentional about creating your space between work and life and reassessing your core values. Some of these are a bit repetitive, but those were the five that came out of some of the career sites in terms of, you know, being wholesome and not being defined by your role on paper no I like those I like those I'm currently completing a book called the life plan and it's talking about success and they don't allow any of your options to be money none of you well money is the tool money is the tool for what you want there's something else you want and usually there's something else there's something else you want I have because I like nice things (laughs) <laughs> but but it also reflects something else exactly you like nice things some people want to buy a house do you really want to buy a house or are you trying to get secure like you have to under, yeah you have it's to different levels the there's always a different value. level absolutely no, I agree mm-hmm. 100% Tolls any final thoughts before we wrap up um I'm like you it's about peace and, and enjoyment and what I'm doing uh, obviously money plays a factor in terms of I want to be remunerated appropriately for the work that I'm contributing because I know Correct. that I, I do generally do a fantastic job that is a feedback that I get all the time <laughs> but um yeah no success for me is like I always say people to people like the greatest currency that you can ever have in your life is the relationship, the quality and the caliber of the relationship you have with people in your life. Whether you have five pounds in your bank or 500,000 in your bank, if you do not have good relationships with people, it, do you know what I mean? All of it means nothing. You can be as wealthy as I don't know God himself, but if you do not have good people in your life, it doesn't mean anything. You feel, focus on building that currency whether you are poor whether you are rich you'll do fine you'll do well I love it do you know what I never expected today to be so great I know it was great <laughs> shut up it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's a whole year first of all can I just say 
can I just say a whole year? Yeah, a whole year. Excuse whole me, can I? I'm a middle child. 365 days, yeah? In fact, we're, okay. we're doing that middle children. Okay. We're doing that middle children, to be honest. <laughs> no, I absolutely <laughs> love the energy. I, I feel so energized and I hope our listeners do too. And if you've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year at work, we all have been there. All three of us have been there. And it's so refreshing to hear us actually speak and stand Mm. in our power and know who we are and not be dragged by the Babylonian soldiers as Natalie would refer to them. So I've really enjoyed today's episode and to our listeners, if you have to, thank you for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, make that my new year, Christmas, birthday, Easter, everything present share the link um, and and share the good work that we're doing um again find us on socials you want to keep the converse if you want to keep the conversation going you can use the hashtag bww podcast uk or at us at bww podcast uk on twitter and instagram ladies it's been real it's been very real very good episode if I do say so myself, yeah. thank you very much, Chantel. At least we're going out with a yes. Also, people, please, I beg, like and subscribe and interact. Mm. Um, that means a lot to us. So please do it. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Reply to us on social media. My... Engage with us. <laughs> don't tell me when you see me in the flesh that you like my podcast. You don't even chat to me online. Do you know what I mean? Come on. You get me. Because <laughs> we've got big track. plans for 2023. Hello. And it takes the community. Because this isn't about us three this is about us as all black women working and so exactly. we're gonna get and to on where that we kumbaya note <laughs> as a you know collective you see you you see you you're undercover we're... babylonian yeah stop being so feisty i reject it back to sender <laughs> all right tolls it's a wrap it's a wrap oh thanks bye everybody bye. Been lovely. happy Go new on, year all, all of that tolls. all of them happy easter <laughs> All of them. Right. You know that reminds me of you know those memes where you upset like, they're like oh you upset your girlfriend and she's like Merry Christmas Happy Easter Happy New Year <laughs> See you in the next life See you in the next life a bit Right you're dragging Sorry. this out All right Bye Sorry. guys All right Bye Good guys next. See you later bye. Sorry my bad Bye. <laughs>